All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's uh, day number two of the last week of Christian Worldview with Dr. Tony Beam. So thanks for joining us for today. This is Tony Beam, Director of Church and Community Engagement for the Tim Brazier Campus of North Greenville University, where Christ makes the difference and where we are equipping transformational leaders for the church and for society. I also serve as Director of the Office of Public Policy for the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and I'm currently the interim pastor at Five Forks Baptist Church in Simpsonville, South Carolina, where you're welcome to come join us every Sunday morning at 1030 if you do not have a place where you regularly worship. Do not leave your church if you are there. Go there and support your pastor and your church community. But if you don't have a church, come check it out, 1030, Sunday mornings, 112 Batesville Road in Simpsonville. Okay, Austin's with me today. Um, as we said, we're going to have Austin today, Corey tomorrow, Hannah on Thursday, and then Lisa Van Riper and uh, Senator Josh Kimbrell will join us on Friday. Is he coming so, in the studio? Yeah, he's coming in. Oh. He's only going to be here for a little while. I mean, he's a senator now. You know, I can't be I can't be getting in between him and stuff that he's doing that's good stuff. So he'll come in for a little while early on Friday, and then it'll be me and Lisa to the end. That's me me and Lisa Van Riper to the end. That's, that's you know, good friends to the end. Like the that Lone Ranger and Tonto there. Yeah, yeah, could be. She's... Goes all the way back to the very beginning. So, um, all right. Um, just for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, his radio talk ninety one nine eighty nine seven will be no more come midnight on Friday of this week, and um, it will uh, magically, as if just a, f- a switch has been flipped, turn into music. In fact, they're just going to s- basically flip a switch, but um, <laughs> it will be music beginning at midnight on Friday. So. If you're looking for me on Monday at this particular location where you have found me for the last 21 years, uh, you will you will not be successful. So let me tell you what to do. As, as, as Dr. Wilton at First Baptist Spartanburg would say, let me tell you what to do. Uh, so this is um, all you have to do is go to drtonybeam.com. That's drtonybeam.com. And if you go there you will find a Listen Live button on the front. In fact, it's already up there. So at 7.30, if you go down there and press it now, it's not going to do anything. But if you press it at 7.30 on Monday morning, you'll be able to hear this program for an hour. And the program is going to be actually not this program. The program is going to be called Truth and Politics and Culture with Dr. Tony Beam. So I hope you will join us for that. Um, you'll be able to download the podcast later. In fact, I've got some podcasts up on the website right now. There's a couple of my articles up there. Uh, I'm going to be posting some more stuff. So you'll be able to read stuff that I write. Um, you'll be able to listen to stuff that I say. And if you're really into uh, pain for yourself, you can see my face on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter on Facebook and YouTube. Be, it'll be streaming live to both of those platforms um, beginning Monday. You can't go to YouTube today. You've got live on Facebook today. So how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you for coming in. You, you sent an article. Well, I tell you what, before we get into that, we need to talk about the school shooting, of course, Yep. Um, that happened in Nashville. Um, happened yesterday. It was at Covenant School, a Presbyterian school in Nashville. 
And it was a 28-year-old biological female who is transgender male who went into the school armed with two, not what the president said. The president said two AK-47s. That's the only type rifle I guess the president knows that exists. These are, these are AR-15s, I think. Um, and also armed with a, um, a semi-automatic handgun. Um, the perpetrator shot six people, three children, all nine years old, and three adults all in their 60s. One of the adults was the principal of the school. And all nine, uh, I mean all six, have uh, passed away along with the shooter who was shot by the police within 15 minutes, which is why there are six people who died and not 16 or 25 or whatever the number would have been um, had the police not responded so quickly. When they got the call, from the moment the call came into the police station until the perpetrator was shot was 15 minutes. And that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Police got there. The perpetrator was shooting um, the, you know, shooting out the window at the police as they were getting out of their cars. They were pulling up in the cars. And two police officers, uh, three, actually went in, went to the, heard the shots on the second floor, went to the second floor, confronted the shooter, and, um, and, and shot the perpetrator dead. So um, our hearts, and, and I, I mean, the, these are, one of the children that was, that was killed was um, the daughter of the pastor of the church where the school is located. And it was a Christian school. We don't know anything yet about the motivation for the shooter. We do know the shooter attended the school at some point. It was unclear how many years ago uh, that, the sh- that the shooter was there at the school as a, as a student. But uh, it was sometime in the past. Police are saying that the fact that the shooter was transgender may be part of the motivation. They, they did not say for sure the shooter left a manifesto, which the police have yet to release. Now, there's a lot of people calling for the release of that manifesto. I'm sure it'll be released at, at some point. But right now, the police are sifting through it, looking for clues. Um, and then, you know, at the proper time, I'm sure they'll make it available. Uh, one of the police officers dared to say, please pray for the victim's families. And that went on to say, I know that I'll be criticized for this, but that's what we do in the South. We pray for people. And so I appreciate that, you know, there, obviously prayer takes place other place in the, places than in the South. But um, certainly in Nashville, uh, there's a lot of people who would agree that prayer is needed. And, and it's prayer needle- is way better in the South anyway. Yeah, Our prayer is way better than their prayer. <laughs> No, that's not true. That is, it is it true. Is. I don't. I don't say untrue things. I say true things. That's why you have me on here. Okay, that is not true. <laughs> I'm just, you know, we're about to be truth and politics and culture, and we'll add into that truth and prayer. And the truth is that prayer, no matter where it comes from, if it is from the heart, and it is from someone who has a relationship with God, that prayer is heard, whether it's in Connecticut or in South Carolina. So anyway. Um, just a clarification, the um, you know, and and we do need to be praying. We need we need to pray for the families. Uh, this is not a time for political debate. 
if you want to debate politics and gun control and all that kind of stuff, um, sure, we can do that. But we're not, I can tell you this, we're not going to do it today because there are people who are grieving beyond our ability to comprehend. Because I know how I would be grieving had one of my, somebody that I loved as a dear friend was, their life was taken in this way, or a child, I mean a nine-year-old. Um, you know, my one of my grandsons just turned nine years old, hmm. and I was with him yesterday watching my other son score two touch, touchdowns in flag football. So, anyway, um, that was kind of a side note. I saw you but, do that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Walk, see yeah. what I did there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but it's it's just it's sort of incomprehensible um and and so we will simply call on everybody to keep the families in prayer uh to pray for our country Uh, we're a country that's turning out people who do these kind of things and we need to know why uh because all the gun laws well i said i wasn't going to talk about the political debate but we need to know why this is happening. That's a cultural debate. That is cultural. Yep, I think you're right. And the reasons think, why people are doing this is, are cultural. And one of the reasons may be a story that we're going to talk about today, a little bit later on the broadcast. So, um, Did you have anything you want to say about the shooting? I didn't really give you any, too much time no, except to mock me. No, because, I mean, it, for me, it just ends up as being my sad, tired, old refrain is that we cannot have freedom if we do not have virtue. And I mean the, the 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 guns. You can't have virtue without faith, and you can't have free uh, faith without freedom. And that's the cultural conversation that's just not happening because as soon as right. a school shooting happens, we start talking about guns. Yeah, and, I and, know. And, and and it's frustrating me because it's uh, we will not have a Second Amendment well, actually, indefinitely. Actually, we start talking about ice cream. Is that and right? And then we start talking about guns. Well, yeah. at you, least you we've did, got those things in their correct you, order. You didn't hear the president I didn't, yesterday. No. I spend as little of my time listening to him as possible. Well, yesterday that would have been the right choice because when he came down to make comments about the about the shooting, before he'd started to, I mean, it was it was surreal. He was talking about how much chocolate chip ice chocolate mint chip or how much ice cream he's got in the refrigerator and the reason that he showed up. Now, this is what he, said. he said the reason I showed up is because somebody told me there'd be ice cream, that there'd be ice cream here. And then, then all that, and then he rolled into. Was that know, an attempt the, to defuse the tension of a situation by using humor? Because that's pretty bad form. It was an attempt, which was successful, to to demonstrate that there's an old man with dementia, pretty severely, running the country. Huh. That was the attempt, and it was successful. Has that ever happened before, in the I, history of America? No. I, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I haven't done a historical search to see how many presidents talked about chocolate chip ice cream before they addressed a mass shooting, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this was a first. <laughs> I met an old man with dementia ruling the country, but yeah, the other thing too. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Because I'm just thinking, because I was thinking the same thing. Has this ever happened in the history of the country? Have we ever had somebody step up to a microphone? Did anybody bring the ice cream? I came here to talk about this horrible stuff that happened over Nashville, but I I came really because there was ice cream. Somebody told me there's going to be ice cream. There's probably jello. Don't they, once you. Don't the, in rest homes? Don't they have Jello a lot? I I have I have no idea, but I'm doing. See there. See how bad it is. You see how bad the political discourse has gotten. Here I did such a good job in the first segment of saying 
we're not going to talk about – well, I did say we're not going to talk about gun control. I didn't say we weren't going to talk about how terrible that was. Huh. So, huh. Yeah, that's really – that, that is really sad. Um, okay. No, but I just – I mean, I think that as a, as a lover of the Second Amendment and as an owner of firearms, I am – That's am, gun control. Talk. I'm concerned – <laughs> that I, I do exercise gun control regularly. None of my guns have ever left off the shelf and shot anybody. You know, they've I never, keep mine locked by they've, Yeah, they've safe. never leapt into my right. kids' hands. No one has right. ever gotten their hands on my guns that don't that don't yep. have it. And they're here so today, they so they could testify today. to the fight, they could fact say. that uh, have you ever, they've never... Irresponsibly handled any of my guns? No, There's no. Some, have yeah. you ever had any of them jump off the shelf or jump out of the safe and chase you around the house? <laughs> no? No? Well, let's see. See, these are smart kids. I have really tame guns, though, yeah. so that's... Well, you have smart and, kids, too. And you too, know what? That is they... <laughs> That is actually true. I got, um, for Memorial Day, was it... When did we get that shotgun? Was it Memorial Day or Fourth of July? Something. The the big gun store over on yeah. Woodruff Road, where I never go. Palmetto Arms? Palmetto, or Palmetto State Armory. Yeah. State was Arms, having yeah. a really nice sale, and I got a 410 shotgun. I think I got it for 100 bucks. Well, well single shot. Yeah. You know, I've, I need to pick up my pace a little bit. I've only been there, I think, three times this is, month. Is, it is worth going. <laughs> it's, it's a great place. I mean, I like, I, that's where yeah. I shoot. I try to go. You go to uh, the one on Woodruff? Qualify. Yeah, because no they've got a great shooting No wonder you're so stressed out and cranky all the time. What are you talking about? Oh, you because go to of Woodruff, Woodruff Road. Road. Uh, that's enough to make uh, anybody crazy. I go, like, in the middle of the day on Saturday. So it's a wonder there's not more mass shootings on Woodruff Road. It only takes, you know, it only takes about half the time. In the middle of the day on Saturday to get over there. So um, here's an article that some someone uh, sent me, and that's the only identification I'm going to give. It's just someone. Um, It's someone. Well, I will say someone that I know from my past that I've kept some communication lines open. Are you talking about me? I no, no, that one that I, not, okay, good. This was not you. That was a really awkward description it was, of me. If it, it, it was very, yeah, <laughs> I would have been more descriptive had I been talking about you. But, uh, but by the way, before I get into this article, we did the show together for a, a year. We so, were just talking about that uh-huh. a little over a year. Yeah, it sure about seemed a, a lot longer, than this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. You know, this is the way this is going to go the rest of the week. I'm going to bring friends in here to bash me. Since, you know, after 21 years. Oh, my goodness. What a whiner. I mean, you had to get up and drive over here. <laughs> Barely made it, too. No, you can't. You you, you got here most of the time. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, you're talking about the whole time. No, I'd never, I almost, almost, I have a reputation to keep up. I'm never on time. Well, that's true. That, that, I, I've heard, I've heard that, that about that you. That stressed me out. Now I'm stressed out. My blood pressure's going up. Okay, well, we'll. Gary, we'll, hand me the Prozac. I'm not, I'm not going to help you here, I don't think, because right. we're. This article, like I say, was sent to me. Was 1200 about punctuality? People, no. Okay. Twelve hundred people were asked why they left Christianity. This Here is the one is you were talking about said. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I, wanted, yeah, I said I was going to talk about it, but I, yes. I, I was going to. You wait. said you weren't going to talk about it, and then you talked about it. Well, I talked about you have it a little such bit. Ironclad just, discipline on this show. I, I just simply introduced <laughs> the concept. Okay. Um, the article. This is actually an article about another article. <laughs> actually, two articles. The writer here of this article's name is Dan Foster, and he's writing about one article titled Four Causes of Deconstruction, mm-hmm. uh, which was, by the way, written by, his last name is Butler. Uh, his first name is in here somewhere. But anyway, he, uh, Josh, Josh Butler, mm-hmm. he, re- he writes for Gospel Coalition. Mm-hmm. So he wrote Four Causes for Deconstruction People. This is Why People Walk Away. And then there was another 
writer, Brandon Flannery, and he's a writer on the Glo- the Baptist Global News site, and he decided to try, and d- try to find out why people are leaving Christianity behind. So he reached out through varying social media platforms and received 1,200 responses to a survey that asked several questions of people who had left Christianity behind. Now, let me hasten to say that if you could pick a more unscientific way to do a poll, I'd like to know what it would be. I mean, I, about the only way that you could be more unscientific in doing polling is to simply, you know, go out and start shouting on the street corner, anybody that has an opinion, walk over here in the middle of, of New York or something like that. I mean, look, when you put these questions out on social media, you're going to draw a certain number of There's people, a, a certain type of people. Yep. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But laying that aside— okay. This is the, the opinion of 1,200 people. Okay. Okay. So they said, what initiated—these are the questions. What initiated the change? That is the first instance where things began to shift. Number two, what was the final reason that you made the change, the straw that broke the camel's back? And number three, what does your current existential framework offer you that your previous one did not? So those are the three questions. And I would argue that— Less than 50% of the people who answered those questions know the meaning of the word existential to start with. Okay. I mean, that would be my that would be one problem that I would have with the questions. Yeah, for a 12-step guy, it sounds like, what was it like, what changed, and what's it like now? What's it like now? Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like your testimony. Exactly. What was your life like before Christ? How exactly. did you come to Christ? And what's your life like since you've been... Except this is the exact opposite reverse. of that. Yep. Yeah, good mm-hmm. way to put it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Butler, Josh Butler, writes, you know, he's very disparaging about people. He says, he, descri- he descri- uh, describes deconstructing Christians as weak compromising and merely chasing street cred. Apparently, they all want to be ex-evangelical podcasters, TikTok stars, ex-evangelical. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that term I have, before. yeah. Have it's, you? Yep. Well, that's mm-hmm. pretty it's popular. Just, yep, yep. Ex-evangelical pop- podcasters, TikTok stars, and bloggers making their fortune bashing the church. So Josh Butler's a little, little, little uh, harsh with people who are leaving the church, not as investigative, maybe, as he should be, but uh, just a bit judgmental about their decisions as to the reason that they're leaving. So Flannery comes back and asks these questions. Reason number one, Flannery's research revealed that the number one reason people walk away from Christianity is the church's behavior and attitudes toward... LGBTQ people. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, One of the four respondents listed this as their final reason... Uh, one in four, I'm sorry, one in four respondents listed this as their final reason for abandoning Christianity. Here are some quotes from those who responded. I couldn't continue to ignore the treatment of LGBTQ and other marginalized people. So essentially you're saying I left Christianity because I don't like what Christianity teaches about sexuality. I mean, you could just put that in, in general. I like the sexual freedom that I have to make decisions about whether I'm going to be male or female, to make decisions about my preferences, to make decisions about, I mean, all this, all, all that could be said. Now, that's not what they're saying, but that's essentially what they're saying. Mm-hmm. 
without saying it. Mm-hmm. Reason number two, the second most common reason that people gave for walking away from Christianity was the behavior of believers. Hypocrites. Yes. Isn't that a sad indictment on the church? Beyond the issue of LGBTQ inclusion, many people, it seems, object to behavior of Christians. Um, and, of course, if you say that, you're going to have to quote Mahatma Gandhi. You probably know this quote. You, you, because it, it, every time somebody says that it's, they're leaving the church because of the, the, the mean Christians that are in the church, somebody's going to quote Gandhi, who said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So, um, yeah, that's true. And once again, I would point to the parable that Jesus told of the wheat and the tares. Because if, if you think, if you're going to be in the church and you think that everybody who is in the church is going to be perfect and you set some arbitrary standard that is not realistic, nor is it biblical, for what people are going to do. Do you know, do, look at the, the Apostle Paul's letters to the churches in the New Testament. Look at the letters that were written by, or inspired by Jesus to the seven churches in Asia. I mean, what do you find in those seven letters? You find accommodations. You find that you're really doing good at this. Let's take the church at Ephesus. I just preached about that Sunday night at uh, Five Forks Baptist Church, 1030 every Sunday morning. If you'd like to come and join us, if you don't have a home church. Anyway, that, you know, I was talking about the fact that Jesus started out by saying, you have, you have perseverance. They were in an area where the worship of Diana uh, was very strong. Ephesus was the home to one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which was the temple of Diana. Um, and so they were in a very difficult environment, and yet they were standing firm against the Nicolaitans, which Jesus said, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Um, so they were doing some good stuff. But they left their first love. So they weren't passionate. They had lost their passion for God. And so they were called to remember, repent, and return. Just the three R's, you know, uh, of, of a good spiritual relationship with God. So anywhere you look in the Bible, you find Christians that oftentimes don't live up to the standard. But that doesn't mean that the standard doesn't exist. I mean, that would be like going to the Kentucky Derby and saying that every horse that didn't come in first is not real. It's not a real horse. It must be a fake horse because it didn't win. It didn't meet the standard. Well, that, that's obviously ridiculous. And it's the same thing with Christianity. The standard is there. All Christians are not going to rise to the standard. Uh, some are going to aspire to it, and, not, and they're going to fall short. And some are, are going to not care about it and be very slovenly in the way that they live their Christian life, very undisciplined. And they're, they're going to be believers who live undisciplined Christian lives. And then they're going to be those who walk close with the Lord. And then they're going to be people in the church that are not even real. I mean, they're, they've claimed Christianity for some reason, but they've never truly been born again. And I'm going to get to that again here in just a minute. But this, this business that I don't want to go to church because everybody's not real, I would, I would ask these people— the, the people that you hang out with, are there any, any people in, that, in your group that you would consider to be fake in the way they're living their life? 
whether it's about their faith or not. I'm just talking about whether they're genuinely being who they say they are. If they're not, then you've got as much reason to live that, leave that crowd and go into the church as you do to leave the church to be with that crowd. Because wherever you go, there are going to be hypocrites. And the, to me, the bottom line of the wheat and the tares, and I've said this a hundred times, and I've said it on the program that many times in 21 years, is, is that you know when the Lord of the harvest comes, the tares will be pulled up and cast in the fire. The wheat is bundled up and put in the barn. So the moral of the story is you can p- spend some of your time with some of the hypocrites now, or you can spend all of your time with all of the hypocrites later. Whew, that was some good math there. I thought you weren't a math so, guy. That was really good I'm, math. I'm, I'm not, that has nothing to do with math. You notice I didn't have logic. to say numbers. Logic. Yeah, that, that was more true. logic That's, and yeah. philosophy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the show's going away. So is his radio talk. 919-897 will be music after midnight on Friday. So if you want to find this program uh, on Monday, April 3rd, you'll need to go to drtonybeam.com. That's drtonybeam.com. There's a little icon there on the website. Just click it. It's 730. It says listen live, or you can watch live on YouTube or Facebook. So just giving you that information. Uh, i got to figure out what the addresses are for YouTube and Facebook because I'm not sure. But I know I, I know where to find them because I've got them, I got them set up this weekend so it automatically goes to both of those platforms at the same time. And I can't explain why, but I just know that it happens. Reason number three, the third most response, common response in Flannery's research was the uncomfortable relationship that seems to exist between church and politics. Here's a quote. Seeing so many friends and family that claim to love and follow Jesus pledge their allegiance to nationalism and Trump. Here's another one. The 2016 election, I wanted nothing to do with a group that supported Trump and his insane ideology under the pretense of faith. Now, I'm not going to take all the time to flesh that out or or go into detail about it. But let's just say that the main problem with this is that you it would have to be every Christian who draws breath that supports Trump without question. In other words, there, there's there are a group of Christians who support who supported Trump because they believed that the policies that he would pursue as president would be best for the country. And most of those policies, by the way, had to do with religious liberty. It had to do with um, a, a lot of things associated with virtue and morality, even though the, the person, Donald Trump, was not very virtuous and certainly wasn't a champion of morality that had he had anything to do with Christianity. So the, the problem was not that Christians supported Donald Trump. The problem is that Christians supported Donald Trump without question. And that led to a lot of people questioning their Christianity if they refused to challenge any of Trump's behavior. If you just if you defended everything that he did, if you just and that was a terrible witness it continues to be a terrible witness, and it does hurt Christianity to have people who are willing to do that. Nothing I can do about it. But to get from there to I'm leaving the faith as the result of that, right. that's right. just, the, I, the, I, I'm sorry, but I don't buy that. There's a precondition before that. Th- this bothered you so much because there was something else behind that that bothered you more. That wasn't, maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but listen, 
I have a problem with uh, mis- if, if if the church is mistreating LGBTQ people. Okay, so I don't do have I. a I don't have a problem with with the Orthodox Christianity Christian view of sexuality. sexuality. Okay? I don't either. I don't have a problem with that. No, I I have a problem with hypocrites in the church. You yeah. know, I I see that and it bothers me. It does bother me. I have a problem with Christians. Um, uncritical acceptance of nationalism and Trumpism. I have a problem with that. So do I. But guess what hasn't happened? Austin Barker hasn't left the church. Well, and I'm going to address why in just a few minutes, because there's a very clear reason, Hmm. and it's biblical. Hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, as to why. Um, But look, and back to, what what was the second? Oh, hypocrites. Mm -hmm. See, here's the thing about hypocrites. Not everybody that's considered a hypocrite is a hypocrite. A lot of people look at a Christian that's not perfect and says they're a hypocrite. Well, that's not true because Christians don't claim to be perfect. We claim to have our sins forgiven. We claim to be justified, but not sanctified in the sense that we've reached the ultimate end of sanctification, which is glorification, when we either, either when we die or when we get to heaven. We still have to deal with sin. So when a Christian sins, the difference between a Christian sinning, sinning and a lost person sinning is that, first of all, a Christian understands that they're sinning, they confess their sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, that verse is used all the time, 1 John 1, 9, in conversations about salvation. It really doesn't have anything to do with salvation. It has to do with the ongoing daily cleansing that is necessary for a believer who struggles with sin on this side of eternity. Paul even said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, who through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is able to deliver me, which to be delivered doesn't mean to be perfect. It means to be forgiven and to empowered to live the Christian life. Is that? Yes. And, okay. and, and further, Rick on Facebook said that if you ever find a church that doesn't have hypocrites in it, then don't go there because, yeah, because you'll mess it up. You will. You'll become. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, that's very you'll good. You'll be the first. Rick, yep. yeah. yeah, I thought that was a so, good So the best of the rest, rounding out the top ten most common reasons people gave for leaving Christianity were issues with church leadership, things not making sense on an intellectual level. For example, uh, this would be, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? My goodness, that question has been around for since Christianity was born, and it's not a hard question to answer. We've answered it a lot of times on this program. Mm-hmm. Okay, the church's handling of mental health issues. <laughs> yeah, well, they let me go to church, so I can't argue there. <laughs> a desire for independence, the treatment of women in the church, problems with the Bible, and the church's disinterest in civil rights and social justice. Well, the last one is just, there's a Greek word for it. It's hogwash am I. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, the church has led on issues like civil rights and social justice. Just because some in the church didn't agree with that leadership, it was Christians who came around and led social— See, their their definition of social justice is that everybody, regardless of what they believe, whether it's right, wrong, moral, immoral, has, has should be out there um, and have their own category. That's not social justice. Uh, so anyway, Gene, thank you for calling. Uh, this is You can tie yourself in a knot for the rest of your life dealing with these matters. And uh, I look at it this way. 
Compare yourself not to any other, but compare yourself to Christ, the standard of the Scripture. And many people who might use the uh, Mahatma Gandhi comment that uh, I like the Christ, but I don't like the, the Christian, well, they are totally misguided and, uh, and not very, very aware that Christ is the fulfillment of all the law. Amen? And, and he was perfect. We can't achieve that perfection. You guys brought up a couple of terms here. Number one, Christian nationalism. I think Barker did. And, you know, I become a bit irritated I'm about that. I'm the one that. that said that first. You know, why, why do we concern ourselves with Christian nationalism? There, what do you call Hindu nationalism? What do you call uh, Islamic nationalism? What do you call Jewish nationalism? Because we have a lot of what that do going around, Hindu don't we? nationalism. That's Marxism. You see what I'm saying? I think it's, it's all nonsense. You just, uh, we have to reply to that and say, what do you call these things? When you can address the other religions as, with nationalism, then let's address Christian now, nationalism. Gene, if you can't see for yourself that there's a problem with Christian nationalism in America, and particularly in the Church, then you lose credibility. Okay, if, you can't, if I have to get, get caught up in a game of crooked words defining terms that are obvious from space, okay? You can see Christian nationalism from space, and if you can't see it, then you lose credibility. Yeah, I can't. I look. We don't have time. I'm, I'm not turning this into yeah. a debate about Christian nationalism because we're talking about 1,200 reasons why people leave the church. Um, we can talk about Christian nationalism some other time. Let's um, do it next week. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it'll have to. You'll have to tune in to <laughs> Truth and Politics and Culture with Dr. Tony Beam. It's going to take me a while to. I've been saying the other thing for so long. Yeah. I'm going to stop and think. All right. Uh, Flex said, friend of mine sent this, and the reason they sent it was obvious, because you'd have to know the history between me and this person. Uh, they're constantly coming at my Christianity uh, because they know of my the way that I follow Christ. So um, that, that it was kind of, uh, you know, poking me, poke the bear. Okay, before I read my response, let me remind you, I'm talking about an article by um, that appeared at, uh, what's the name of this website? Uh, Backyard Church is the name of it. Uh, Dan Foster is is the guy who wrote it. So he's criticizing Josh Butler at Gospel Coalition for being dismissive and accusatory about the reasons people say they left the church. Um, And so just keep that in mind. And, of course, the article that he also uh, talks about is the article itself, Flannery, who asked 1,200 people from social media different social media sites, why they left the church, ask them to respond. So the three reasons, somebody asked me to uh, talk about the reasons. Reason number one, uh, Christianity, uh, the people left Christianity, the church's behavior and attitudes toward the LGBTQ+, plus have, uh, you know, and all the other things you have to add to go with that, LGBTQ+, plus community. Uh, reason number two uh, was the behavior of believers just simply behavior believers. In other words, people are mean, and Christians are mean, and they, they don't live up to the standard that they call for everybody else. And reason number three uh, was the uncomfortable relationship that seems to exist between church and politics. So there they are. All right, here's my response. Cha- uh, chastening I'm sorry, can't even read my own response. That's pretty sad. Chastising and stigmatizing people for walking away from Christianity is wrong. Minimizing or dismissing their reasons instead of trying to understand them is also wrong. Having a relationship with Jesus is about loving everyone God has created in his image. 
Loving someone means caring for them regardless of any difference they may have. It also means loving them enough to tell the truth about what God has said and what it means to have a relationship with him. In the article, Flannery roasts Butler for being tone deaf because he shames everyone who walks away and blames their sinful desires for their deconversion. There's no question that it's a, it is a blind and short-sighted view. It ignores people's real concerns and characterizes them as being wholly at fault for such a serious, perhaps eternity-altering decision. But consider this. How much different is Foster's conclusion? He concludes that everyone who leaves is driven out because Christians are not who they're supposed to be. It's all the fault of the church. So where Butler misses the mark by placing all the blame on the one who walks away, Foster, and I suspect Flannery, misses it by placing all the blame on Christians. And then I use the person's name. I'm not the person you knew when we were in college. That person died spiritually July in July of 1984 at Ridgecrest Baptist Conference Center. A new person was born, John 3.3, 3, 2 Corinthians 5.17. For me, walking away would be like a butterfly climbing back into a cocoon and becoming a caterpillar. It wouldn't be deconstruction or deconversion, but detransformation. What God has done in me cannot be undone. I regularly fall short of living my life according to the standards of my new birth, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, I surrender every day to the Lord's will and his leadership to continue to remake me into his image. Sometimes it hurts, but it's always for my good and for his glory. Do you really want to know why people walk away? I believe it's because they can. I'm not discounting the bad behavior and insensitive nature of some believers, especially those who put politics above the cross and who make excuses for blindly following immoral leaders. But ultimately, people walk away because for whatever reason, they were not truly born again. That, by the way, is not my answer. It's John's answer who wrote, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be become plain that they are not, not all of us. 1 John 2.19. Thank you for sharing the article. And then I said something personal from me and Denise. So my, my explanation, although that was a kind of long, is actually very simple. People walk away because they can, because they haven't been transformed. If you're made into a new person by the power of God, transformed spiritually from death unto life, you cannot give that up. You cannot simply say, you know what, my transformation, I'm going to, you, well, you just can't. I mean, something happened in me that is why Jesus talked about being born again. He used that as an illustration. And he even said, you know, Nicodemus is trying to figure out, well, how, how am I going to get back? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm talking, you're, you're talking about the physical. I'm talking about the spiritual. Don't marvel that I said that you should be born again. You know, just accept the fact that what happens to you is that the person that you were is transformed. I mean, that, Romans talks about this in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I, as I said, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that, that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. 
and there, there's a Greek word for that. We can go look it up. I can't remember exactly what it is. But it's a new, we're a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. It is a description of the transformation that takes, takes place when Jesus Christ saves you, when you humble yourself before him. Yes, there, there's, a, there's still the residue of humanity in the spiritual nature that you possess. It's called the flesh. It's what's left over after your transformation. And the flesh is something that you could, it's not, it's not your skin. It's not the blood coursing through your veins. It, spiritually, the flesh is the temptation and the sin that we live with until we get to heaven which then there is no more sin, there's no more death, there's no more crying, there's no more pain. I mean, there's, uh, there's a, a great message that was preached, um, and I, I forget the person who did it I, originally, but I've heard it many times, the seven no's of heaven. You know, there are things that we will not have to deal with once we get into eternity that we're going to have to struggle with as long as we're here in this life. So... Anyway, that's so. My. It sounds to me like you're saying that Dan Foster and Brandon Fan- and and Brandon Flannery together make a theological error. They misunderstand the nature of conversion. That's right. And so when you hear about somebody that's deconstructing their faith, your your response is, "What faith?" Exactly. Is that right? But yes, because again, you I believe in perseverance of the saints. Now, you know, I'm not a five point Calvinist. I'm about a two and a half point. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, but one of those points, I mean, I definitely believe in the total depravity of man right. because we're born sinners by nature and by choice, and I definitely believe in perseverance of the saints mm-hmm. because of what I just said. Mm-hmm. It is a transformation. It's not a, you know, i got to hold on because if I don't hold on, I might let go. No, I mean, I can't let go of what I've been made into. I, I, would, I would have to be unmade and remade in a different light. So I guess I always want to ask people, um, whenever they choose to deconstruct their faith, I I say, are you deconstructing the church or are you deconstructing your faith? Because I can leave a church and not leave the faith. And so it's it, it maybe it's a baby bathwater issue where they're just you know they're incapable. But I don't want to insult them by saying that they're incapable of doing the hard thinking that's necessary to distinguish the things that are true of some Christians that are not true of the faith. You know, so yeah, look at Christians and criticize them for their absorption with politics. Yeah, look at Christians and criticize them for their hypocrisy. Yeah, look at Christians and criticize them for their mistreatment of LGBTQ people. Maybe, you know, we've we've learned on that issue and we've become better at talking about that. I've learned on that issue. Yeah, criticize church leadership. Yeah, criticize, you know, the or, or ask your hard questions about, you know, the problem of evil. And, um, you know, yeah, the church is struggling to deal with mental health issues. Like, the world's doing it a lot better, right? The world's doing it so much better right now, because the best thing we can do for people that are having mental health issues is to go ahead and either medicate them, or else let's tell them that they're actually okay and they're, you know, I mean, this with biological gender, that's a mental health issue. If, if you, it, the, the gender confusion is a mental health issue. The world's handling that one really well. So run, people, run to the loving arms of the world, and they will really help you with your problems, you know? Well, so it's just frustrating to me that everything they critique the church for, the world is just as guilty of it, so it reveals that there's an underlying pre-commitment. That, and, and, and what you're saying is they haven't been converted. Right. Because if they did, then the Holy Spirit would be revealing to them exactly what I just said. Right. Yeah, that was very good. I, I don't have anything other than to say yes. Um, yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was talking about when I said, 
you know, if you're concerned about hypocrites, then explain to me uh, the hypocrites in your own circle. Because everybody deals with hypocrites, whether you're in the church, outside the church, whether you're in the playground, whether you're on vacation, whether you're at work, whether you're at home. I mean, there are people who are not what they appear to be. I guess in so, sep- one one final frustration, and, and this was I think this point was made by Susan on Facebook, is that, you know, if you want to talk about how the church is mishandling some of these issues, right. what you mean by mishandling is that you don't totally agree with my left-wing agenda, my progressive agenda. You know, you need to be better on the LGBTQ thing, which means you need to completely capitulate and, and, and full-heartedly embrace and celebrate LGBTQ. Yeah, yeah that's—okay, let me put a caveat. That's okay. probably— what the people that are criticizing mean, but that doesn't mean that we don't have room to evaluate how Christians are responding to people who are in sin. I think that's good. I mean, I mean, we, we need to ask ourselves, you know, are we pushing people away? Are we blinding them with the light mm. or are we drawing them to the light because of our of the grace? That's a really good word picture. <laughs> 